0: Welcome once again to Ipso Facto. That's the name of the show. I am your host, Robert Wall. It is a rare treat to have um, a terrific creative artist in many ter- in many sense of the terms on the show tonight, Todd McFarlane, the creator star, creator star, well, I guess you're the star, of, of Spawn, uh, who created the comic book and the TV series and the movie, and among many things, uh, and, and above all, he's a huge baseball fan. That's more important than anything to me. <laughs> Maybe to him, too. Anyway, Todd, it's a great honor to have you here. Thank you for doing this.
1: Sure. Thanks for giving me time, Robert. Appreciate
0: it. I wanted to ask you, before we get into baseball, I want, I, I'd be uh, remiss because of all your fans if I don't talk something about uh, comic books and stuff. Oh, yeah. A couple of questions I have. Which up To my process, I always like you know, to talk about process and craft. In with, with, when it comes to comic books or or whatever the art form is called, what comes first, the story or the character?
1: Uh, wow, yeah, I think I think at the beginning for issue number one that they sort of come simultaneously. I, you, maybe I you know I'd even almost argue some of us geeks, uh, especially on the art side, come up with the character first because we just draw something that looks cool, and then we go, hey, I'm going to have to come up with a story. That guy looks that guy looks pretty awesome. So. Uh, but I think the the writers, uh, just like in Hollywood, when they're writing a screenplay or a novel, you you sort of you know you have your story, and then you need your protagonist, and you go, okay, what's what's the character going to be, and they get it done. So the the you know the 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 process for the layman out there is that the writer comes up with a plot or a script, hands it to the. Penciler, he he draws the twenty pages. They hand it to an inker. He inks the twenty pages. It goes to a, a colorist. They color the twenty pages, and then the person who does the word balloons uh, takes the script and puts the word balloons on it. And we send it to the printers, and pretty soon it's on every single comic store across the country.
0: Now we just said you give it to the the balloon guys. Now, but they know what the storyline is, don't they? know? What yeah, they have, they have
1: the it? script in front of them. Yes. Right. It's okay. just that you know each one of them is. I mean, you know, think about it, each one being sort of a specialized skill, right? So the writer knows how to write on his word processor, but he might not have the dexterity to basically do letters freehand. And so these are guys that actually can do stuff freehand that is spectacular to look at. So, you know, I, I always say to people, you know, it's like it's like getting into Hollywood. You know, you don't have to be the actor. You know, you can be a key grip and still be, quote, unquote, in Hollywood. Absolutely. Right. So we, Absolutely. we have our... We have our, our our credits our end crawl, if you will. You know, every job isn't sexy.
0: And the question now is: there a price difference? Just curiously, from uh, do like pencilers make less than inkers, who make less than colorists, who make less than
1: the balloon guys? I mean, is, yeah, is there a pecking but, order there? Yeah. So the two the the, the two guys who get sort of most of the, the the sex appeal are the the artists of the penciler. Um, There's a handful of guys that do penciling and ink, and I do. Um, I actually even write my own stuff, so I do all three. Uh, But the the writers can... The, the writers get a little bit less, sometimes a lot less than the artists. But the, but the reason is is because most artists can only do a comic book, one comic book a month, where a, a good writer can do one a week. Oh, so if they happen to make a little bit less, they make it up in volume because they can do a lot more books. Where where you know drawing is fairly laborious, you know. So. Uh, A writer can sit at his word processor and and type something like this. Uh, Middle of Times Square, it's daytime, it's the summer, so there's lots of tourists, it's an alien uh, invasion, there's a thousand spaceships, and the National Guard is coming along with the military. Now, then they hand that to me. Now, I, I just... I typed that up in forty-five seconds, but now when they hand it to me, the artist, that's going to take me two days just to draw that one image, right? Because yes, I got to draw the buildings and the people and the aliens and the ships and the and the military and all the cars and the tanks and I mean, so it's way easier. It's way easier to to write big stuff than it is to draw
0: it. So. Talking here with Todd McFarlane. Todd, you've worked for every company, uh, and I wanted to get an idea. I mean, just like networks have different sensibilities and different, you know, organizations like we know in baseball, these different organizations have different procedures. What are the differences? I'm sure that DC and Marvel have different. You know sensibilities, tone, story, upper management ideas i mean what are the do you notice the differences when you worked for one or the other
1: yeah i would i would, i mean again i'm I'm president of image comics, just so everybody knows like everybody knows marvel d c right so right. images is, image is number three we've been number three we're celebrating our twenty fifth anniversary so so we're and we started off as a bunch of renegades that that left marvel but I, here's here's what I would say. The difference between Marvel and DC, as compared to a lot of the other companies, especially ours, we're, we're very eclectic. Is that they're they're network TV and we're we're cable, gotcha. right? So so or arguably even Sirius XM. we can we have way more freedom. We don't have a corporate structure, you know. Everybody at our at our company owns their own stuff, so there's not you know sort of a, a, a corporate theology, if you will, that is is there. And 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 you know again, Batman. Batman is boxed in. Superman is boxed in. They can't. They can't cross certain lines, right? Batman will never use a gun. Superman is never going to kill, right? They're never going to. They're never going to say even damn it, right? So they're, I mean, they have. Yeah. They have their yeah. guidelines, and you have to now start telling those stories, which is why. You know all those uh, superhero movies that are doing great for for everybody uh, are are all PG-13, right? They're not gonna. I mean, Logan's gonna is gonna come out and it's gonna be pretty harsh. So that's gonna be to me that's cool as, as an older fanboy, if you will. Uh, to to go, wow, some of this stuff can actually grow up with me. I can I can watch something that's a little harsh now, which is cool. Oh,
0: you know when I did the first uh, the Batman movie back in '88. Yeah. And I uh, was working with Tim Burton, or Tim Burton hired me, I should say. The, uh, <laughs> I working, yeah, but I was working with. But it, it was great fun. We did it at Pinewood Studios in in London, and you know Tim's vision. It's because uh, it was all Tim's vision, totally. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As, as much as the front office really tried to fuck with him a bunch, and uh, but there's no cable there's restrictions here, obviously, uh, language, but. Uh, it was tim's version and to go to the set that anton first built every day and to see tim's designs and everything it was you know and i knew i go boy this this is what i like i mean I, i said i'm gonna like this batman and and because i was not a big growing up with batman comic books in the 60s and in the 50s actually uh late 50s i was not a big fan of the tv show i always found it too soft and too jokey and campy for my taste so when Batman came out, the movie, you know, uh, although I have to say uh, that the Batman movies, the first wave of them, up to, you know, from 88 to whatever it was, 95 or whatever, I always felt that if you put them all together end to end, every hour of the series got progressively worse. <laughs> I really mean that. The first hour is really terrific. Second hour is pretty damn good.
1: Then you go to the yeah, next but, movie. Hollywood has a tendency, Robert, as you know, that they they take one idea, and if it's good, they multiply it. So... The reason I think that the first one works well was that they weren't, try- there was no Robin. Right, and there, no. and there wasn't six villains so by the time you got from, the first hour was basically here's Batman and here's a little Commissioner Gordon and, and let's move on by the time you got to the last one that last movie you have now you know uh, Mr. Freeze and, and Poison Ivy and I think the Penguin and, and, and Robin and Batman I mean it was like and Batgirl might have even been in it too so now, now you're taking the same two hours and you're having to split it with an Ensemble, so everybody gets eight lines instead of one person getting 80 and making it sort of meaty. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan, especially drawing, of, of the group books, like the Justice League right. or X-Men, because, you know one, it's hard to draw because you've you've got, you know, these panels and you gotta draw a bunch of little tiny heads in it. And B, to write it, everybody like you have to divide the dialogue by nine people and you only have in our in our industry you only have about twenty pages. And so everybody gets three lines and and it's not really meaningful. Where right? I I've always found that the the books that are focused Mostly on sort of one character have have a tendency to you, you can sort of rally around those people a little bit more. So I thought the first Batman movie was cool, and I agree with you. It sort of it sort of it sort of unwound as it went down.
0: Well, yeah, and also you change directors, and they the guy they hired for the last batch of directors was totally uh, uh, totally Joel Schumacher was absolutely the wrong guy to choose. It was, it was it's you know it's it's like hiring the wrong free agent. <laughs> totally well, wrong there, there,
1: there was also you know I knew some people that were involved with the movie and and with the studio stuff and there was a little bit of a band that they knew they had success and then, and then sometimes Hollywood can do this thing too where they're going hey let's let's add things in there that we know will sell toys, Yes, right? Yes. So all of a sudden you start putting gadgets and you're, and you're, and you're letting, a, I think a tail wag a dog, right? Yes. So, you know, I, again, I'm working on a screenplay for spawn and I have to tell, I mean, I own a toy company and I tell my salespeople, the script I'm writing will have will sell no toys because it's going to be a dark R-rated sort of supernatural flick, and and that's not that's not conducive to selling toys. But to me, I'm going. I'm 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 I don't want to cross each one of those and try and and get value out of comic books being toys being movies. Just make a good toy, make a good comic, and make a good movie, and let them sort of lie where they're at. Uh, and and I don't I don't think. I don't think uh, when they've tried to intentionally do it, Hollywood's had much success. They've they've had way more success when they just sort of backed into it with things like, you know, Star Wars, where they just put a bunch of cool stuff and everybody went along for the ride.
0: Talking with Todd McFarlane. Todd, growing up as a kid... Who was your favorite? Who was your Who was your favorite comic book uh, people? Who were your characters?
1: You know, strangely, Robert, I, I I wasn't that guy, right? I mean, most most people, you know, the, the standard is you sort of start collecting comic books when you're young. You grow up a little bit and you start dating girls. I did it the other way. So I, I I started dating my sweetheart when she was thirteen, and then collected comic books when I was sixteen. So it was I did it in reverse. So it, it worked out. It worked out for me because. By the time, you know, I, I just about getting out of college I get my first job with Marvel, I, I I didn't have, like, one character that they could dangle in front of me or one character I was transfixed. I was sort of enamored with all of them. So any character they gave me, I went, ah, oh, cool, I'll just make it my own, and we'll end up doing it. I mean, yes, you know, did Mom and Dad throw comic books in the back of the seat, you know, when we went on long road trips? Yeah, the odd time, but I, but I, I didn't. I didn't start collecting until I was 16 years old, so I was I was sort of a latecomer.
0: Do you know what's funny? I have never been asked. You know, I realize this. I, I have never been asked to show up at one Comic Con. You would think from the Batman stuff. <laughs> you would think from the, you know. Right? I, get, right? I I get I get inter- I get stuff to sign all the time. They send to my house, sure. and, yeah, yeah. and I sign stuff. And I know people are selling it. And I don't really care. The uh, uh, so what they do is they give mm-hmm. you. Would you sign an autograph for me? And then they send you seven cards from the Batman site. So I, I usually sign one, maybe two, and I send it back
1: to them. Uh, no, some of, the, some of these conventions now, robbers, you know, especially the one in New York and, and uh, the big one in San Diego, I mean, there are dozens and dozens and even the smaller ones that are peppered around the country. There are dozens and dozens of people who were in movies and or T V shows that, you know, people get in line and get the geek out on, right? I mean, they're going, Oh my God, that was a guy in Battlestar Galactica, right? And you and so yeah, I'm surprised because I seem like I've been to show where I go, they've had in my lifetime I thought they had every single person who's been in a cool sort of geek show. Yeah, uh, I've never
0: I've sure. never been asked to, I'd go to one in a second I mean I think I have a friend uh, I went to college with Brett Spiner Brett Spiner plays data played data on the Star Trek the second wave yeah and uh he said first thing I asked him was when you saw the movie Galaxy Quest how close was it he goes too close he said <laughs> it it was scary close um but uh and but he makes his living off that a lot of times
1: yeah yeah he yeah. gets paid a
0: fortune off of these things
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, no I, look I'm going to a convention yeah, I don't do that many anymore, but I'm going to one because we're celebrating, like I said, our 25th anniversary for Image in, up in Seattle, at least tonight, right? So uh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to talk to the show host going, how come you guys haven't had Robert? Put him on the list around the yeah, city. Yeah, I would do he, it a second. He's, aw- he's awesome. So.
0: Especially if it's during baseball season, I can go see the M's. You know, it's like <laughs> right.
1: well, I, anywhere, any any of the cities. Like, I so said, they have them in Chicago, Dallas, Houston. I mean, they have them all the big cities that have sports franchises. Yeah, so. I mean,
0: I love it. I especially you know, if I get a chance to go to a ball game in a big state, I, I go. I, that's 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 a big plus for me.
1: Yeah, uh, we, I, mean, I was in Dallas not long ago with uh, Stan Lee, and, and they 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 gave us a police escort down to Texas. You know where, where the Rangers play. You know Arlington yeah, sure. Stadium. And, and Stan was going to throw up the first pitch, right? He still got for, for 94, still got a pretty good arm, right? Yeah. Still making he still makes it uh, towards home, but uh it was kind of cool. We went down, they took us down into the you know, usually you go into the locker room to meet the players, right? But they they put they put uh, Stan in his own room and they made the players come to him. So, you know, all the young kids are like, "Oh my gosh, I I collected books and I seen all the movies and they were sitting there mugging. He was like the pope, you know, to all the baseball players. It was kind of cool. Stanley is
0: the I guess he is the Godfather of everything that people know. Yeah. But is there somewhat other people like like the, you know, Frank Miller's, I know is a recognizable name. but is there some people that you're in the business and in the know that other if you're in that world are the greats that you look up to and people may not be as aware of them?
1: You, the 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 biggest of the ones you know unfortunately you know some of passed on right so again just like in in your industry you just the, the people inspired you as a kid there's a guy named Jack uh, Kirby they called him the king right and he he was the most prolific artist and and, and best storyteller so he's He's the one that had an impact in. Uh, I mean, just how old he was. He, he he had an impact in creating co-creating uh, Captain America, back in the in in you know the early 40s. Right. And then later on with Stan, over at Marvel, uh, was the one that created the costume for Spider-Man, and then, you know, did the design for Thor, um, I, I think Iron Man, a bunch of the Avengers, all the X-Men. Right, and so he was this guy. You know, I mean, as much as uh, you know, people say Stan created everything. He, you know, and he'll be the first to say he co-created with with the artist because Stan was the writer. Uh, but Jack Kirby probably, you know, was involved in probably about seventy percent of those characters that we know artistically. gave him gave him the visual look. So, uh, but today. Today, the, the people I, I look up to, I, you know, when I was growing up, there's a guy named John Byrne and George Perez, but you know, the the I, 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 I there, there's a guy younger than me that's now my partner. Him a guy named Robert Kirkman, the guy who created Walking Dead, uh, and you know, he started as a comic book. We'd been publishing it for I don't know seven, eight years before Hollywood sort of took notice of it. He'd been trying to sell it for years and years and years, but he's a he's a big example of you know, me encouraging people to come and, and create their own stuff because the the cell that I have and anybody that's sort of enthusiastic in your audience right now, Marvel is owned by Disney, right? They bought them for four billion dollars. Right. So they're not gonna They're not gonna let the characters go out of the house. No, right? they're, not. They, no they're, not. they're gonna keep them. DC has always been owned by by Warner Brothers, yes. And so they don't they don't let those characters go out. So. So the pitch I'm always giving people, I go, look at, you should do. This is the best time to be doing independent uh, characters and, and and superheroes and comic books, because if your book sells, you know, let's say it's the 127th best selling book uh, for uh, the month of February, let's say, but but if everybody has to basically scratch out the name of everyone that says Marvel or DC because Warner Brothers and Disney are not going to let them play with them. Then then if the 126 ahead of you have Marvel and DC ahead of them, you're number 1 to Universal and Paramount and Fox, well and Sony and Lionsgate. I mean, like they have to come knocking. So I think our our company image, I think we have 17 of our titles that are optioned currently, and, you know, I mean, content. They have to find content, and they can't get it at Marvel and DC right now.
0: Which begs the question, uh, Have I'm sure you've had offers from the other studios to buy Image. Uh, and your reason is just you just want to stay independent, or the right offer hasn't come?
1: No, the, 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 re- the easy answer is we don't have anything to sell them. So so Image Comic Books is this weird anomaly. Not only is it the best deal on comic books, I believe it's the best deal on entertainment. You come to us and for a flat nominal fee, if we choose to, that your book is, you know, of quality, then we will publish it. You own it lock stock and barrel and unlike, you know, Apple who's going to take 30% of every one of your downloads, we take a flat fee because we don't believe that if you sell 200,000 copies, uh, compared to somebody who sold 20,000, we should get 10 times because it's a commission or percentage, it's like we put in the same work for everybody. So we take our flat fee when we when we print the books, and then all the rest of it goes to the creator. So the creator wants to sell his idea into Hollywood. We don't we don't get any of it. You know, we 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 created our company years ago to basically give as much freedom to the creative process, so that people could just sort of come and, and get away from the corporate structure. And, and the 25 years later, it's still. Still, the best best deal in the house. So. Besides
0: Spawn, who's your, who's the images the biggest sellers?
1: Uh, well, well, Spawn used to be, but again, uh, Walking Dead now as sure. it has been for the last ten. Sure. We got another book called uh, Saga. Uh, you know, we, we we have we have a very, like I said earlier, we have a very eclectic. Uh, uh, we put about seventy books out. We started as a bunch of renegades that were all doing, you know, the top books at at Marvel, and we all laughed. And and so we hit the ground running as a bunch of artists, and and we all started our spandex superhero comic books. But now, fast forward a couple decades, and to survive in the marketplace, you know, we needed to be able to sort of open up the, the types of stories that we're telling. So I'd say probably it easily 80% of our books don't involve people in costumes right it's just it just good storytelling sometimes it's cop stories sometimes it's detective sometimes it's a love story sometimes it's, it might be a sci-fi might be a western might be it. anything right so it just to me i you know there there's so much variety now in comic books that it's impossible for me to imagine anybody could walk into a comic shop you know, make any kind of effort and not find one book that is at least curious. I I, I sort of like in comic book shops now to, to sort of what Blockbuster was. You know, you bring in your grandma and you bring in your kid and you go in there and everybody's walking out with a quote unquote movie, and so everybody would be walking out with a comic book. It's just that the content is now very wide, so there's a different there's a different taste. To, for everybody out there, but no matter what you think you, you like, I know it's there, right? So.
0: Talking with Todd McFarlane here on uh, Ipso Facto with Robert Wall. Thirty years ago, that's more than thirty. A couple, about thirty-two years ago, uh, I was a writer at Paramount, staff writer, and they hired me to be uh, to write pictures over there. And in the office next to me was Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. And uh, now Ralph Bakshi is, of course, uh, he was the famous creator of Fritz the Cat. And, yeah. and in fact, he did the first Lord of the Rings. He did the first the animated version of Lord of the yeah. Rings back in the, geez, when is that, the 70s? Was yeah, that the, yeah. 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 A- and what's interesting is I, I loved him. We got along really well. But what's more interesting is that his son, Mark, is in my fantasy baseball league. <laughs> and I think he, I think he won last year as a matter of fact. He won. Oh. No. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Now, now let's talk about baseball, okay? We've got all that other stuff out of the way. How, sure. You grew up in Canada. How were you such a big baseball fan?
1: So, so uh, luckily, years ago they created this thing called the car and petroleum, and so you can actually move now, right? So, I I was born in Calgary, but at about five years old, Dad moved me down to SoCal. So oh, okay. I became, I that. I, so, so from five to about fourteen, you know, and at fourteen we moved back to Canada. But by that time, I was I was impregnated with all the sort of the summer sports, right? And and uh, so by the time I moved back to Canada you know life gets life gets pretty simple when you're 14 when you come back to Canada they go oh my god you're from California you've been playing baseball you can either be the best baseball player in the city or you can try out for hockey and they've been playing since they were four and you won't even be able to carry the hockey box. Right. So at 14, it's an easy decision. Do you want to be a stud or do you want to be like a popper? So, you know, I kept, I kept playing all the other sports. I was the quarterback in high school and and basketball track. I mean, you name it, I played it, but I ended up playing three years Pac Ten baseball, uh, you know, down in Washington and, and it was just it, you know it's a sport. I'm not very big. If you if you saw me, you know, about six feet, 180. So you know it's it's the sport as you know that you don't have to be tall for basketball or big for football. Correct. You know, I mean it's 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 sort of the every man sport. Not so not not so much today now, Robert, as you know. But back then, right, there was Bert Campanaris and Enzo Hernandez and all the little shortstops, Larry Bowen, Bud Harrelson. They could all play at 165 pounds. So you know everybody. Everybody thought they could be a baseball player, so uh, that was it. I just, I, you know, I still play in the men's league here in Phoenix. So, uh, you know, I, I, I go in and I, and I coach. I've been coaching kids, you know, up till sixteen, you know, at a pretty elite national level. So, I just, I, I, I love it. I love
0: it. It's true, you know, baseball. You don't have to be. Still though, look at Altuve. I don't think Altuve is five eight. I'd be surprised if he's five eight. He's,
1: he's But the difference is he's. he's, he's He's five seven five eight, but he's he's like a hundred and ninety five. Those guys were like a hundred and fifty five. Well, yeah, right? that's well, that's Jeez.
0: nutrition and everything yeah. and training. But I mean, yeah. but, but Pedroia is not a big. I mean, baseball. You have normal size. Yes, they're getting bigger. There's no question about that. But there's, there's still compared to every other sport, normal size human beings. For the most part, for the most part, do you? Wow.
1: You need to get into a locker room. You, like, no, I've so guys, I,
0: I've been there. No, but I'm saying it's because of the weight training and because of yeah, the yeah. – yeah, But but the, but the size, it's yeah,
1: – yeah, I hear what you're saying, but they're not – Like these guys now – these guys now, look, when I was at – to go back to the, when we were at the Rangers, right, Cole Hamels came in. Cole Hamels – give me one word to describe Cole Hamels, lanky. And he came in, and I just went, no way, Cole, this – this can't be lanky now it's ridiculous yeah, it's point. like it's they're 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 like this cut above now they're they what they look like actually are the superheroes we draw right that's how fully formed they are now right they're not they're not normal human beings now they're fully formed you know gene specific guys that are just like wow like adrian beltray came in and his back his v was like, oh my gosh! Like, Todd, no wonder you didn't make it.
0: So, <laughs> hey, uh, did you have a favorite team growing up? Were you a Dodger fan? I mean, were you?
1: No, you know, I, I you know again, uh, you know my 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 one brother picked and who just you know sadly passed away recently. He was right. a, he was a lifelong Cubs fan. And he and he dies, he dies. Like I get the news that he dies like a month before the playoffs. Right? Oh. And I'm going, and so I only I had two thoughts. One, oh, my brother, and then two was like, oh, my God, he's going to miss the Cubs, right? And so I was ambivalent as to, you know, should I root for the Cubs? Because they broke his heart for 41 years, you know. He picked them when they were 10 and and, uh, and he, didn't get, he got nothing for forty-one years out of them, uh, but I. Go, uh, and my other brother picked the Expos because you know we're Canadian. Sure. And then I've 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 sort of jumped a little bit, you know, and then and now as I've gotten older, it's like you you know I, I I just root for like the the local team. So I'm a I'm a big D-backs fan. But I was when I was a kid, Robert, I was I was this odd guy that liked the bad teams, and I and I. The, the the worse they were, the more I liked them. And as soon as they got good, I jumped off their bandwagon. Yeah, wagon, yeah, I know what you mean. Right? I know. So 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 when you talk about people who play like Stratomatic or Appa Baseball or whatever else, and they're like, "Oh my god, I did a replay, but I can't stand playing the last place teams." I'm the opposite. I like going. Oh my gosh! The seventy-two Padres against the seventy-two Expos. I'll play that all day long. Oh, man. And I go the Reds and the Dodgers. A eh, big deal. Bunch of studs. What do I care? So I, I and the bad uniforms back then. I just I like. I've, I've always been an underdog guy, though. I the yeah, guys who played. You know, I wasn't very big. I, I was a left-handed center fielder. Uh, I, so I was I was that Pedroia guy that had to be the dirtiest guy out there. So I never wanted to be on the best team it was to me it was like too easy right i go that to me was like the chicken shit way out right as a matter of fact robert to this day when i interview people like i employ I over 100 people when i interview people i ask them the question who's your favorite baseball team and if they say like the yankees i always ask them why and if they say well they got a brother or uncle or whatever but if they don't have a, a compelling reason then I go, ah, they're a front-runner. They, they want the easy way out. And I actually mark them down a couple points. So, But if somebody says, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I go, wow, that that person put up with a lot, right? So I, I always ask people who their favorite teams are. It tells me like what their character is a little bit.
0: I agree. I, I did the same thing with writers on Arliss uh, when they came out when I was hiring writers. If they came from California I had a great antipathy towards them because all the people who grew up here they're all inbred and all they know is to cannibalize other sitcom scripts if you ha- if you, <laughs> they do that's all they do but if you came from somewhere else if you came from Midwest and you had these stories about the jobs you had you're in it's like yeah I want real-life experiences tell me about human beings I don't care about what you think a sitcom should be uh, I-, I felt the exact same way now Anthony here my my uh, engineer producer he is a die-hard Kansas City guy so he had yeah. the Royals for many, many years, and uh, so
1: he stuck with them. He got it. He got payback here. So Anthony's got
0: payback. Yeah, uh, yeah, plenty of payback. Yeah, uh, I, I suffered. You know, from like '86 to 2013, I suffered. Dude, that is a long time. You know, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so I, I, unfortunately, and I'm I'm old enough that I was that I I remember like their first year, right? So. You know they were they were bad there, and then all of a sudden the coming when they started putting that team together, and now this is you're saying '86. I'm gonna I'm gonna predate you here. When they started putting that team together, when George Brett comes along and John well, Mayberry I, we, and John yeah. May- like and, and all of a sudden they got they got White out there and Amos Otis and all yeah 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 I, just, I know that they just, but they just, they, just, they just started grinding this team together and you're going, and they started competing with the A's because I was living in San Jose so the A's had their three years yeah. 72, 73, seventy two seventy three seventy four and I go ah oh, come on nobody's going to give them a run. And all of a sudden, it was, the, it was the Royals who put their act together in that division. The, yeah, the, yeah. The American League,
0: yeah. yeah, I'm speaking in terms of 86 through yes, 2013 was, without a thin, playoff. It was thin. Playoffs. It was thin. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Amos Sotis, UL Washington, Frank White, Hal McCray. Yeah, I know all those guys. Those are my no, guys.
1: Kansas City fell into a little bit, I think, uh, the trap that the Montreal Expos fell into where as soon as it felt like if you were a fan, as soon as they they got a player that had any kind of esteem, you knew they were gone in three years, right? I mean it, and it was frustrating that you just go, ah, they were a small market, they couldn't compete, they couldn't get the big free agents and, and so you have to just sort of endure and watch these guys blossom with other teams. Um, you know, luckily they put together. I I think a, a, a team, right? I I think the the what the Royals did what, that I think the Yankees did when they had their big run there in the, in the late nineties was they put a team together and they didn't have like two studs, right? It was everybody's going to play. I mean, I I here's what here's what I tell people. Here's the difference between why the Royals won and the Mets didn't win, because. Because when Harvey didn't want to come out of that game in the World Series, right? The coach had already made the de- Collins had already made the decision to take him out. But he but he he went against his own instincts and he let the player talk him out of his own instincts and he probably let the fan because it was a home game get the better part of him and they end up losing. Yost on the other side, the manager for the Royals. Perez it wins the MVP for the Royals, and he's not even on the field when the Royals win the World Series. If you take a look, it was the backup catcher that's holding up Wade Davis, yep. right? Why? Because Ned Ned Joe said, I'm going to put the best option I have to pinch run for Perez when he got on base, and I'm going to play for one run because I'm going to try and win this game. And I have seen it. Buckner shouldn't have been on the field, and, and Nelson Cruz shouldn't have been on the field when he muffed that ball for the Rangers. And every one of those managers, I know if you went back and you said, hey, instead of playing with your heart, don't you think you could have just had the right guy on the field and that guy who you didn't want to wreck his personality would have a ring on his fingers you think nelson cruz wouldn't like to have a ring on his finger and have been on the bench for half an inning instead of going wow he was a guy that was here you know for 150 games we better we owe it to him like no you don't you owe your city and your team a championship and that's what ned did over over terry collins he 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 just kept going i'm 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 not i'm going to manage with my brain i'm not going to go with my heart i am
0: going to i'm going to a- push back a little on this okay this, push. Okay, first of all uh if you know with the harvey situation okay let's say he went with his heart there so-and-so okay still if lucas duda can make a throw he's out I mean that that's got nothing to do with you know Harvey being in the game or not. If Lucas Duda can make a throw, the guy's out. With the John McNamara thing with Buckner at first base, which he always denied. By the way, he always denied about that whole story about he wanted him to win the World Series. He if if even if he catches the ball, as any ball player will tell you, or the guys who played. I'm really good friends with Clemens, and he will tell you they knew that uh, who was the pitcher? Bob Stanley? I think it was Bob Stanley. Did not break for first base, and Mookie Wilson beats him to the bag anyway. He he said that would have never been accepted by Boston fans. Buckner makes the error, that's a physical error. Not being there to cover first base, they would have never forgiven him for. So I mean, so that's, you know, I gotta push back a little on these situations. I watched the manager last year manage about as bad a World Series as I've ever seen, Joe Madden, and he still won. And he managed a bad World Series. If you win, everything changes. We can look back on anything uh and everything. So I'm a little bit more. You know, I, I, about, about those kind of things. And, and, and also the Buckner thing, by the way, like the uh, Kansas City game with uh, Don Denkenscher, the call that cost him the World Series, that's such bullshit. First of all, both of them are game six. If your team is mentally tough enough to win, you win game 7. And in fact, Boston had a 3-run lead in the 5th inning in game 7. St. Louis fell apart, okay? The guy makes a bad call at first base. You know what? You got a 1-run lead, there's a man at first base, and there's you got 3 outs and you're a world champion. And it's game 6. It's like so they are, this costing world series and stuff like that. I, I, I got I, you know I have to take a little bit different position on that.
1: Here's why here's why here's why I say what I say is because because if you look at what they were doing during the season, they they did they did the move, right? Because it was easy to make the move. So so oh, in know those that. games yeah. in those games they were like Nelson Cruz wasn't out there. You know, about thirty five times in the season he got replaced late in the game. And so it's like, well, you did thirty-five times. Why wouldn't you keep doing it at the same rate? And to me, that's it. You 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 broke what you were doing as a norm. For for Terry Collins, you know, here, here's what bugs me about what Terry Collins did. Remember, there was a whole fiasco of they were going to talk about Harvey and the number of innings. Remember, were they going to shut him down like they did Strasburg? So so he's and and his members' doctors go. He shouldn't go past one hundred and seventy. So by the time you get to that game that he was pitching he's at like 214 innings pitch he is 30 to 40 innings past the red line mark that the doctor is saying don't go past your car is now overheating a little bit He says at the beginning of the game, he did an interview, he goes, if I can get seven out of Harvey and then two out of uh, Familia, he goes, that would be my perfect scenario. He gets eight. He actually got more. He got eight. And then he he sits there, so he got greedy. And then he goes, to put him out in the ninth, now you're going, maybe he might get a complete game. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. He hasn't completed a game in over two years. So now you think that the best time for Harvey to complete a game for the first time in two years is when he's 40 innings over the red line mark in a game where he's starting to tire. So I turn to my wife, I go, at least if one guy gets on, he's out. And then the one guy gets on, and he's still Yeah, I agree with out.
0: that. That's the part I, I agree with you on. Uh, yes, I go, there's, no question, there's no question that Terry Collins will admit it. I let my heart get away. I let the motions get the better of me. However, again, I will put it this way. Uh, Familia blew every blew every game he was yeah, in. Yeah, he did. So, sure he did. so we, <laughs> who are you put? Putting, you're, putting, you're going to put Familia in? There's no guarantee he's going to shut the door anyway. Granted, no. he let his emotions, his heart, get in the way of the game. As you always know, don't let your emotions get involved in the game. Now, okay, let's talk about somebody who does talks about emotion. Was your old business? Are you still partners with Schilling
1: with Kurt? Uh no, I did. W- I did. Uh, I did uh... You know, about four or five years with him, we were, you know, with the this group out in Boston that were trying to do an online game that was going to come out. You know, if you think of like World of Warcraft, it, it was in that space, yes. right? You know, RPG online game, and we were doing. I got to tell you, Robert, we were doing some stuff that was cutting edge. I mean, honestly, and and maybe I'm biased, but. We were doing some cool stuff, and the and the and the, the thing is, and you know, uh, like you said, living in the city, you do that. Sometimes, some of the biggest curse you can have is being successful. So yep. once once World of Warcraft got so big, it had to sort of lock its look in, not not unlike to use a silly example, Toy Story, right? Toy Story got so successful that even though it could actually look. Better, they're now locked into a look. Uh, And it's sort of like, you know, sort of the early look of 3D animation. And so, so I go, oh, we can take advantage of this. I was part. I was brought on as an art director. We can take advantage of this because they're going to have to lock in World of Warcraft to a certain level. Lo- and we can do some super sexy stuff with the acting, with the character design, with the movement and the robotics and all that other stuff. But unfortunately, we you know we never we were never able to sort of bring it to birth because you know the the company ran out of money and there was a bit of a debacle there and, and everything happened. So it's you know it's too bad. I it would it, artistically, we were doing some really good. Stuff. Stuff. We should have been doing it at a faster pace, but uh, but I, I you know I I saw I saw Kurt I saw Kurt you know keep shuffling his own money into this hole you know so I mean I know that he made a deal with Rhode Island but he also was shoveling his own money in you know and it wasn't I I've met plenty of guys on Wall Street that they just take everybody else's oh money. Sure. they don't no. they don't put it they don't put in their own money Kurt Kurt kept putting his in. You know, I mean, I told his wife early in the game, like, close the purse. <laughs> bad, bad gamblers in Vegas will always come back for more, right? So, you know, just, just it's either got to work or it can't work. And uh, so, I don't know. I it did, that one didn't turn out the way I think that he had drawn it up on the on the play sheet. So.
0: Okay, let's talk about baseball this year now. my For a couple of years, my dear friend Kevin Towers was the GM over at, uh, at yep. Arizona. Uh, yep. I mean, the one thing I'm sure like you too is like nowadays, because I have so many friends in baseball and so many, and, and front offices, I'm players, more so front offices now because the players I've gotten older, they've gotten younger. But, and, and of course, of Arliss, I had met a lot of the players. The. Um, I root more for—and also the fact that these teams are monopolies. I keep telling people this. I don't believe that any—you talk about being for the underdog. I don't believe that any player in baseball, and in fact in most professional sports, is overpaid. Now they may have a bad contract from the team's point of view, but I don't think the players are, because their careers are too short. You know, the careers are maybe five years. So whatever money they can make in five years, good for them, because the teams will say, "Oh, it's a bad contract." And yet, when they want to sell the franchise, like the Loria with the Miami franchise, which is about a yeah. shitty franchise, he's going to yeah. get like a billion, almost two billion dollars. So, I I I, know, I, so, I, so I don't care about what they say about. Well, yeah. oh, we had a bad... You could over, you you could overpay. You know, it's like. And by the way, getting back to. Kansas City the one thing that you did mention uh, about how they couldn't compete people forget in the 70s and early 80s the highest payroll in baseball was the Kansas City Royals back in the day in that 80s day what happened is unfortunately they lost their owner you know Ewing Kaufman People, yeah. you ask anybody in Kansas City, they loved Ewing Kaufman. Ewing Kaufman was, and he loved the Royals. And that would have been a totally different. So they would not have had all those years of losing under Ewing Kaufman because he would, sp- he was like Iliich. He would spend money, he didn't care. You know, uh, uh, so, but that's, you know, you get bad ownership, you're really in trouble. Fish yeah, so- stinks from the head down.
1: So, so uh, you know, again, I, I I was a player, so I I'm with you. I like you know we don't live in a penal colony, right? It, like uh, anybody, any of my employees, any any ball player, any any sports figure can come into the front office, ask for a certain amount, and the answer is either yes or no, right? I mean, you, you don't you don't have, you don't have to you don't have to give it to them. I I also was part of the Edmonton Oilers ownership for you know about twelve years, and we went through that strike year where there was no hockey uh, that was there. Um, and so, so anybody comes in, they go. We we want to do it. Here's here's the only thing that becomes a little bit tough from a GM point of view, right? Not from an ownership point of view. You're right. They they get all kinds yeah, of the GM yeah yeah. GM is different. GM employee. Yeah, a GM point of view is that he 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 may be given a budget and he has to sort of get in there so all of a sudden and I'll just use sort of the experience we had in Edmonton with the Oilers is that you know you're you're in a league with 29 30 other uh teams depending on who owns those teams the reason that they have it is either because oh my gosh they either love the the sport they want to make some money or they just they it's just another prop for some other thing so there's in the NHL at that time, there were probably three or four or five teams that were owned by, essentially, networks, right? Yeah. And so to them, they go, hey, we'll just buy this franchise. We can put them on this network. Right, and right. We fill up space. It's programming. Whatever. Programming. Right, it's programming. So now... If we then Now we've got to get a good team. So at some point, I think they did overpay for the value they were getting. And Somebody that was scoring 25 goals was getting two, two and a half million. Now all of a sudden they're going, ah, give them four or five, right? Which is okay because God bless the player because I was a player. God bless anything they can get. The problem then becomes that then, like we're the Oilers, we don't have that income, right? We don't have Big Daddy Warbucks that owns us. And now we get a player that uh, scores 25 goals. So what do you think him and, and, and his manager are going to say? And his agent, they're going to say, "Hold on a sec. Everybody else is getting four million bucks, and they're scoring 25 goals. We need four million bucks, and, and we're going." Duh. It, we 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 just literally did not have the money. So what we had to do was let players go. Or, I mean, instead of going into debt, we had to just let him go. We had to let our captain go twice, just to go. We wish you luck. You know, all we can afford is, sub, is five million. Somebody else will give you seven. I know for a fact. God bless you. But it, but it, then we have to then bring up young kids, and then you get these. You get these moments where Anthony was talking, where sometimes the product on the ice or on the field isn't quite as enduring as it might have been a few years ago, because you're just you're up against the wall against four other four other GMs that have you know big owners that say I don't care you know go over the luxury tax what do I care right go no. go do it and you can't compete with it. So
0: I would say the, the, yeah, with that yeah yeah especially in hockey more than the other three sports. Because the, other, the football's got, you know, they got revenue, yeah, they're, sh- revenue sharings. What's the networks, yeah. yeah they've the networks, they've the revenue sharings, they got salary caps. What cracks me up most about the NFL is you got the richest, most, uh, you know, capitalists in the world, but when it comes to their product, it's total socialism among the owners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they split everything. But, but God forbid, they're, they're the most biggest capitalists in the world, they want us to really, But when it comes to their product, they're all socialists.
1: Well, uh, you would think you, of all the sports, if I was to say to the layman, of all the sports, the four major sports, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, which one should have guaranteed contract? You would think yes. it would be football because you go, these are, these are gladiators. They're going to go in there and they're going to wreck their bodies, and yet it's the one that doesn't have the guaranteed contract. It's, and why like, is that?
0: <laughs> and why is that when they went on strike? People don't remember this. Why? What happened? Why did their strike fail? Because unlike baseball union, which was incredibly strong, the, uh, the NFL has splintered out by positions. And when Joe Montana crossed that picket line, people forget yeah. Joe Montana crossing the picket line. When yeah. Joe Montana, it fell apart because yeah. the quarterbacks don't care about the safeties and they don't care about the linemen. The quarterbacks care about the quarterbacks. And uh, I mean, if they had a strike now, Brady would probably the first one to cross it you know i got to tell you i mean people forget that because and they don't have guaranteed contracts for baseball players really to the and 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 also uh, also so one more thing you had two, you got if you're going to go into war with these people the baseball for better or for worse depending on your point of view when they had marvin miller and gene orza and Donald Fear, these were labor guys. These were not ex-players. These were labor organizers, as opposed to Gene Upshaw and Tony uh, Clark, who now and, and the, uh, now who's at the football union, they were ex-players. And ex-players, at the end of the day, is going to say, okay, let's do this for the good of the game. The labor guys don't give a shit about the good of the game. They give a shit about the, the good of their constituency, of their members, of their dues paying members. They play <laughs> hardball
1: there's also been strikes that that were that collapsed if you will or somebody said uncle first on the ownership side and 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 it it can be frustrating too that you have 32 of them and then one guy one owner is leveraged right and he's like oh my god i want my team is basically the collateral for my other businesses that's right and if i don't pay the bills and so he starts calling uncle and then what ends up happening is you start paying his bills for him and then at some point you just go why why we got to keep paying your bill so so the the and, and I, in the NHL they went through this gyration probably three or four times, and the and the owners always called uncle, right? You know, as long as the players could, because they weren't making that much, they could go out. Oh, we could out we could outlive the guys who are the millionaire billionaires a little bit. The the reason that the that we lost an entire season was because uh, Bettman did what I always thought should have happened on on either side. If you're going to go to war, you you build a war chest, and Bettman. Uh, who's a commissioner of the NHL, basically set down a parameter that each team had to put money aside. So if there was going to be a strike, you could pay your bills instead of crying uncle and going, we got a full tent because two or three guys didn't know how to save. And so we were expanding in the NHL. And then each time a team comes in, they pay you know, their, their, their fee, their franchise fee. The franchise fee gets divided amongst all the teams and what what the NHL did because like I said I was part of that ownership at that point they said here's what's going to happen we're going to give you this franchise fee you know divided by the 30 teams for the the three four teams that came in over the next three or four years when when I was there um, and either we're going to hand you this check, but we're only going to hand you this check when we see your bank account has X amount of dollars ready for a war, for a strike. And if you don't, then we're going to take this expansion fee money and we're going to put it in the bank for you. We're going to force you to save, right? So so it basically everybody was forced to have a war chest. So when it got to the point where usually the owners cry uncle, that on our side we had enough money to outlast the players, right? And so you go, ah, oh, okay, we we were able to get that one extra month, and then and and then eventually yeah. the players go, oh my that God, we sense. have to we we have to start paying bills. I'm not saying either one of those is a, is is a, a justifiable or a fun way. To, to deal with the sport, given that again it was the first time in, in America that a major sport had shut down for a year, it was it's sort of shameful that it, nothing could get done. But it was it was interesting to me too, Robert. At that point, I was talking to a couple of the agents, and uh, just from a just from a business model. The NHL was giving more and more and more and more of their dollars away to the players, right? And and I remember asking a couple of the agents, going, I just, you know, I just, I, I have a curiosity. At what point are you going to say enough? It, because if we give it all to you, then we can't pay our bills. We can't pay our bills. We have to sell or collapse the league. We collapse the league. None of your players have any money. Like, at what point do you need us to be healthy? Right? in spite of ourselves, right? Yes, Again, yes. In spite of ourselves, given that we're we're dumbasses and we're doing all. this we should we should be able to have some but at some point there should be enough revenue for both sides to continue the league for another 20 years so that everybody has a job right that should be if if there's no league there's no job that's the part that's the part that the balancing act that everybody has to sort of sort of fight through and it's the ugly part of sort of playing sports if you will
0: talking here with todd mcfarland here on ipso facto last year i mentioned i go to go to arizona and I learned a very strong lesson that you don't believe anything you see in Arizona. I mean, spring training is spring training, and that's a whole different kettle of fish because there was no better-looking team last year. I was there a week. No team looked better last year in Arizona than the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks looked so good last year. they were blow. So I went on my fantasy league, and I went heavy on the Diamondbacks. And, I mean, I took I, – listen to this. I had Granky Corbin and Shelby Miller. How do you think I finished?
1: Uh yeah,
0: not good.
1: Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, mean, we, we had a we had a spat. Look at it, it, it's it's it was the day before the season starts, and AJ Pollock decides he's going to go head first, right? On in an exhibition game, I think it was against Kansas City. And it's like, you, you would, again, this is, I do a lot of coaching, and I admire enthusiasm. Yep. But I've had a couple of kids where I go, kid, my biggest gripe is that you, you, you sometimes hustle too much, right? You have to hustle a little bit towards score. So if it's 12 to 1, you don't have to dive and smash into that ball right. if it's four to four. So uh, this, was a, this was a nonsense game. So what, when Pollock goes down and then Peralta went down and then, and then we lost our shortstop and then all of a sudden Miller starts having troubles, Corbin didn't come back. I mean, this domino effect, we had more games lost for injury and it was just Pollock was just the start of it because I think we had, the Diamondbacks had the second best record in spring training. Right. So, oh, they were so, awesome. I, I, right, they, right. They, they, were, they were the best we were team in to, Arizona. Right. We were ready to go. We were ready to go. She said the
0: same thing. However, what you're saying, yes, he had injuries. That's got nothing to do with Cranky pitching like shit the first day of the year when I watched him getting blown up yeah. by Tevor Story or Miller no, all, him, Miller I, all I, year, Corbin all <laughs> year. That's got nothing that, to do with Pollock.
1: I had I had Cranky too. So <laughs> I going, I'm going, come on, dude. We're like $34 million. Come on. You got to get us a couple. We got to get us a he, couple
0: here. So. Boy, he was we, psyched he, out. He was just, he, a,
1: you know, but then, but then, you know the the one thing though, Robert, is is you know is just to hang on the D-backs for a little bit is even with the signing of Granke and bringing Miller in, although we have to give gave away Enciarte and Swanson. you know V Dan, Dan, Dan Swanson who we had just sort of signed a year before, and I'm going that was sort of an odd odd trade, but we ended up going. My question was especially seeing what was happening with the Royals and the way the leagues were sort of rebuilding their bullpen. I go who's our, we didn't have a bullpen. We, you know, I mean, we hadn't got t- Tyler Clippard, but I go, okay. So there's him, but between the starter and Tyler Clippard, I don't, I go, and I don't know who else. And then Brad Ziggler, I mean, he's good, but he's not, he's not a, a fantasy ace, if you will, as a reliever. No. So I just go, ugh, at some point I, I, th- I thought that was going to catch up to us and, and, it, and, and, it all it all caught up to us. The relief pitching, the the closing, the starting oh, pitching, oh. every everything. It just as a matter of fact, we went from the best defense to to the I think the bottom of defense just because of all the injuries. So it was like it was just a debacle.
0: So who do you like? So who do you got your eye on this year? Who who's your what was so far? What what do you actually the, the Diamondbacks? Are actually, picking a bunch of those guys this year is probably a good bet, because I had Goldschmidt last year, and where people think Goldschmidt didn't have his numbers, he didn't have the power numbers. I would attribute some of that to Pollock. That's uh, Peralta. That yeah, that yeah. that I would. But, you know, he stole 32 bases, but uh, and he and he's not your pro Goldschmidt is Goldschmidt. I, I, yeah. But I also had Jake Lamb, and I saw him in spring training, and you know, the first half of the year, Jake Lamb might have been, the be- outside of Bryant, might have been the best third baseman in baseball the first half last
1: yeah. year. Yeah, he was, for a while, he, was, he had the Highest uh, OPS yeah. in, in the National League, so the, the 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 you know Goldschmidt is a great pick. The problem with Goldschmidt right now is a little bit what happened with Barry Bonds, not to the degree, but anytime there's a meaningful game with a meaningful chance for an RBI, they're going to walk him. Why? Yeah. We we have. If Jake Lamb is your biggest guy behind him, or you know, Asmani yep. Tomas, or so, like, yep. there's no, there's, we have, I've been saying for years, we've got to get somebody to protect. I mean, as good as Goldschmidt is, if he had somebody to protect him behind him, he'd be phenomenal. He'd be phenomenal. That's Cause true. They just, they now, he gets 110 walks, 115 That's walks. True. They just every time it can matter, they don't, they take the bat out of his hand. So, so everybody's happy who's had uh, Goldschmidt in their fantasy. Imagine he could have another 20, 25 RBIs every year, maybe about another four or five home runs if if he had somebody batting behind him. Now, maybe if they had somebody batting behind him, he wouldn't steal as many bases, you know. So, but you wouldn't get that part that makes him super sexy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I the the I, I'm you know right now the leagues are either the teams I like are the teams that have strong pitching, and I'm not going to say anything original. Strong pitching, or these teams where you look at their batting order and the seventh guy is still a 280 hitter, and you go, wow. So right now. Like I, I, I kind of like I kind of like what I see with, and it, again, it's not like they've been putzes, but with the with the Nationals, that they have, I don't even know what their batting order is going to be because they just got they've got all these guys now seven eight guys it's not going to be an easy out in that lineup, and they've got enough pitching in there they're going to be able to replicate what they've done before. I think there's still questions with the Mets, with their offense and who knows who's going to be healthy pitching, and then everybody else in that division has lots of question marks. So you go, they're, they're, the Nationals are an easy favorite to get, again, 85 to 95 wins just by the other teams that surround them, I think.
0: You like their pitching enough beyond uh, uh, Strasbourg uh, You like Roark and you like Ross enough. And Gio yeah. Gonzalez, in, and they don't really have a very strong bullpen as of now. That could change. No,
1: no. Uh, I mean, but they have. A, but they have. But they got three or four guys that again had like two fifty sub ERA. I mean, they, they they if you look at some of their stats, they've, they've got like this no name sort of bullpen with some solid guys that you just go, uh, you know, unless you're sort of a super. Fantasy geek, you might not know that, no I hear you know, your they've point. got a couple they've got a couple of those guys in there, and like I said, when you stack it relative to what else is in the league, then you go I, I like what i 'm seeing look i look at i don't know if you do what I do at the end of every draft, the first thing I do is I look at everybody else's team because you 're not really you're only focused on your own team correct. right correct and 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 it, and as soon as i'm done i I go through everybody else's roster, and I think with Pretty good accuracy. I can tell you who I think is going to be in the top four and who's going to be in the bottom four, right? And let's say in a twelve-team league, because you just go, that's not a very good team. I don't like. It's not a good team. I don't even know how you drafted that team. And then there's others that you go, wow, how they how they get that extra two or three extra guys. So so to me, when I look at the Nationals compared to everybody else in that division. The Mets, again, if everything sort of works out right, you know, they're going to be right there. But I, I, don't, I don't really see any big advancements from the Marlins, especially with the loss of Fernandez, you know, and, and Stanton. I, I, that kid needs to play 155 games. Yeah, I'm once, with you. I'm with, right? you. I'm with so you on it's, that. It's, it's frustrating.
0: However, that. I will say that although the Nationals and the Mets are the big favorites in that division, I expect Atlanta, both Atlanta and Philadelphia to win at least, each of them, at least another 10 games than they did last year. So if these guys really beat up on those two teams, especially Atlanta. Atlanta's yeah. a better club. Atlanta's, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, so I don't expect them, the two of them, to win quite as many games uh, uh, than they did last year because I but, expect the Phillies and the, uh, I agree with you on the Marlins, but the Phillies and the and the and the Braves, I expect to win more games. I mean, they're not going to compete. I don't expect that. No, no. I don't even know if they're going to approach five hundred. But yeah. they're going to be considerably better than they were last year.
1: Look at Robert. There's always every year. There's there's three teams. That that try to try to stay with the herd, if you will, for like fifty to hundred games. You know those teams, right? Yeah, right. That they just like you go. Oh my gosh, we got a chance, and the fans are pretty good. And then reality sets in that you go, no, no, no. If you ever if you look at the roster, there's no way they're going to compete with that other team. So the, the brave, I think it would be awesome. I'm with you. I think it would be awesome if by game 75. They're still kind of in the hunt with Dickie and Cologne on the mound yeah, right. doing their old man thing. Yeah. And and now you got Tony Phillips doing head first. I would just be awesome for In a new the, ballpark.
0: Their, in a new yeah. ballpark.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, like I said, I still play baseball. So as old guys would go, see, we can still do it. You don't have to have a young whippersnapper snapper at every position. Just, just hold hold it down for a couple years, and then hopefully they can they can refortify with some dollars because of the revenue. I, I don't think people really understand, Robert, when you go into a new stadium, sometimes what that. Pickup is in revenue. I mean, it is. It's. It, it can be staggering. It can be staggering yeah. how big it could be. The difference between having a, a ninety million dollar payroll and then and then going, I feel comfortable now to one hundred and yes, thirty. Yes, exactly. Thirty to forty million dollars because you've upgraded your prices, you've got more suites, you've got the big uh uh sponsorship that's on there, you've now signed a new TV deal because everybody's got a curiosity and attendance is going to go up because everybody's going to want to see the ballpark once or twice before they sort of go, "Ah, it's the same old team." Uh and so you can you can you can catch fire and then if you can get the right moves, you know, like I mean you know, it wasn't that long ago that the that the Detroit Tigers were losing over a hundred games and then they gave some money, I remember, to Pudge and then all of a sudden a couple more pieces came, a couple of the guys came up pitching and all of a sudden you're going, Wow, within five years they turned that franchise from a perennial laugher to a legitimate team, so I don't. Can the Braves do it? I don't know because you've got thirty general managers trying to do the same thing. But you need,
0: it, you need ownership. I mean, they had Ilyich. Ilyich didn't care what he spent. That yeah. was the other thing, too. If if the guy at the top, like a Steinbrenner, and Ilyich, when they don't care what they're spending, that's that, that helps you a whole lot as a general manager.
1: <laughs> yeah, is... so it's, a, it's, a, it's always interesting, Robert, because you had people that will always go, ah, oh, Steinbrenner, I hate him. The Yankees, I hate him. Yeah. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. The question I would always ask to those people, and I hated the Yankees, too, because they were the, the yeah, winners. I, like I said, but I go, let me ask you a question. Would you not want George Steinbrenner to be the owner of your team? Right, because he then comes in and will throw stupid money his own money at times to just because he wanted to win, I go who doesn 't want to own her?" Whose goal isn't to have high ratings on their network or because it's fun, it's a toy, but actually goes, I just want to win and I'm going to overpay. Like every every city would want a George Steinbrenner as their owner, right? Instead, you get stuck. I mean, looking here in uh, Phoenix for years and years, you know the Bidwells were you know considered to be sort of cheap penny pinchers, and 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 the product on the field showed it, right? And I go, man, if we had somebody that just came in and said, I don't care if I lose 50 million bucks, let's go, right? It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome as a fan. So uh, you you don't like playing against those teams because they have the edge because they got the talent on on the field. So every time you know we anybody played the Yankees, I always rooted against them. But I go, I get it. I get why if you're a Yankee fan, you just love everything they're doing because they're bringing you they're bringing you a victory as much as possible. That's all that matters.
0: Do you? How many leagues do you play in? How many fantasy leagues do you play in?
1: Uh, three, you know, three's enough, right? Because, you know, I always tell people, look, fantasy baseball is like having a kid, right? Like, you know, there, there's no, to me, you know, it's like if football is like a divorced parent and you can have visiting rights from time to time. You only have to set it up once. Once right. I, I always say fantasy football, and and I know I'll get beat up for it. Fantasy football is checkers. Baseball is chess. And, and, and the reason is because it's every day, and unlike football that only has the short season, of 16 if your number one or number two gets injured or suspended which I've had both you can still win your league because it's yep. just, it's a it's a marathon right yep. and and I and I believe depending on your league the smartest guys always always rise to the top right if you don't know I like I don't like the other thing about football I don't like being in a league when when the lady who doesn't know anything about football in my office if she gets a couple of right picks and the guy scores 30 touchdowns can beat me because I know she knows about a two percent of what I know, and she's beating me. Yep. In baseball, that could never happen. You just go no. There's no. You can't fluke your way to a title in baseball. You have to. You have to actually be married to a Do
0: it, you? So. Do you basically do auctions or drafts?
1: uh I, mostly drafts. I've done. I've done some auction. I think they're a little more difficult. But uh, really I, I, I do. I do the drafts, and I've. I've. You, you know my. My experience and I've had pretty good luck with the my one league I've been in for a long time is one where there's a guy from the major league baseball, the the union MLBPA, and then you and then you got, you know, a guy like a guy from Pops uh, and a guy from Louisville Slugger oh, okay. and a guy from Will like so it's all of us guys who think we know more than we know. Right. Um but we're all baseball guys and and, right. and we go at it. Uh and I've tried I sometimes use a year as an experiment just to try something. Here's what I found. Yeah, you, you, you got to get you got to get some good pitching. Or you got to get some good pitching early because it is too hard to find the strikeouts. Like if you're chasing strikeouts, and I've done it, and I see another people, you chase strikeouts at the end of the season. You're going to kill your whip, and you're going to kill your ERA. You're going to start crapping on two or three other categories because you're chasing another. One. You 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 have to grab a couple of aces, and 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 then I you can backfill. You can always you can always backfill. I'm also a guy. Robert, I will get your take on it. I I believe in in relief pitchers. I know people go, no 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 no, and here's why. There's 30 teams, and each one has one, and so and and half of those don't even make it all the way through a season. So there's maybe 15 to 18 good ones. Technically, every team has five starters. So you got 30 times five. I got 150. I can wait to get some pretty good pitching. As a matter of fact, I can even wait to get some on the waiver. You know, 40 games into the season. But if I can get a couple of relievers that I know are going to get me the saves, plus they're those guys that get you a hundred strikeouts in sixty innings, like all of a sudden two of those guys is one hundred and twenty innings and it's two hundred strikeouts, like like that's a that's a real guy, that's that's a starting pitcher at that point. So I've I've never had any success where I, I, I went, ah, I'm just going for power and steals and batting and then I'll pick up the pitching lane. I agree. I, I've never, I've, I've never agree. had it. I've, I've done the opposite, where I just go, I'm just going to pick three starters and two relief. Really, my first five picks are going to be pitchers, and then i got to try and back for a lineup, and I still end up in the top three in those ones.
0: Yeah, I agree. Here's the, here's the one thing. The league I play in, the one great thing we did many, I've been in the same league for, God, it's got to be 25 years now. We don't count strikeouts we count innings huh? we count innings pitched and it's the best move we ever made i find i said if we're going to be like real baseball i go plus i go who's more valuable a guy who goes 7 innings and strikes out 3 or a guy who goes 4 innings and strikes out 7 i go if we're going to go for real baseball and part of and by the way i think part of that is what's hurting the pitching in baseball today is because there's too much emphasis on k's per 9 and they go oh the guy's got a great k per 9 but he only goes 4 innings I keep saying, he's only going five innings at the most. What good is that? It's like, give me the guy who's going six, seven, eight innings every time. That, and, and then I can load up. So the thing about innings pitched, if you've got a staff, the first thing every pitching coach I've ever talked to asks, the first question they'll ask themselves is, where am I getting my innings from? Where am I getting my innings? If I, I got five starters. I got to get 1,000 innings out of my starters. Where's it coming from? They don't care about the strikeouts. Where's my innings coming from? Uh, you know it's like if you can throw three pitches and get out of the inning is not the best thing you could possibly do and yet you're penalized for that in, in, in if, by counting strikeouts. I underst- I understand how they could strike it out for their team, but I we count innings pitch and it's been the greatest thing we've ever done because mm-hmm. uh, now to that point however, I still agree with everything you say about pitching. I've, yeah. uh, when I have and if you' got shitty pitching, you're not winning. you're done. thing is I was done after the first month of the season because of my pitching. I, had, I everything I picked was wrong was I may say I'm in an auction and I am I am seriously the team that won I don't know if they won or they had the best pitching stats they might have come in second or third what they did last year is uh is the same thing I did in offense is that I for offense I get I got Mike Trout and Goldschmidt with my first two I just I just said I'm bidding for these like I can bid for the baseball I'm just bidding for these guys I'll build around them and and that I've always done that, and that's worked. I, I he, what he did is he bought Scherzer and he bought Kershaw and he filled in everybody else. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I'm really considering doing that. I'm thinking about going for Kershaw and uh, Bumgarner and just you know, and I'll fill
1: in and I'll yeah, fill I, in. I, I've done that a couple times, and I've had success every single Me time. Me too. Because, because, because if they each get you two, uh, again, they get you the innings, they get you the wins, they get you the whip, they get you your A, and if you play in a strikeout league, like they get you the strikeout. They're like they're So they're like, you four they're, categories. They're, they're, you got four like categories. Three. Right. So there are 450 strikeouts in the two. It's like getting three pitches for, for two. right? Yes, so exactly. If you, have to, if you have to overpay, that's fine. Here's, here's, the, here's the one piece of advice that I would give to anybody that, to me, matters. And it seems like an unsexy thing I'm about to say, but it matters. Games played, right? I agree. I, I agree I, 100%. I, At-bats. At-bats. Uh, I, I win leagues. I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I win leagues not because I have the best team, but because I don't get married to my team. I have enough utility players and I maximize as close as possible 162 games at each position. So when I look at somebody else who comes in second or third, that to me had actually a better team, but what they did is they they only had the one catcher, so he only caught 120, so they missed 40 games of catching, and they missed 20 games at, at, at first, and by the time I go through their lineup, they literally gave me 200 extra games, and even if you've got a bunch of schmucks, 200 games will get you an extra 15 homers, an extra 40 runs, an extra 60 RBIs, and then I beat you by seven RBIs, and you gave me 60, it's 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 foolish but you, to get married to all of your players because you just get rigid with your roster. I'm lucky I play in leagues where, you know, one. The of these league daily leagues? It, Are these daily leagues you're playing in? No, no, uh, no, I no, they're 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 year round leagues. They're, no, 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 two.
0: no. I'm saying, do you set your lineup one every day or do you set it up once a
1: week? Oh no, every day. Oh, see, that's every
0: different. Day. I don't do that. Okay.
1: Oh no! That's what I'm saying. So yes, basis, exactly. No, I right? hear what you're saying. And, and and here's the here's the upside too. I live on the west coast. Well, Phoenix half and half. Right. You know, because we never set the clock. But the 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 in all Yahoo League. So the Yahoo sets at at twelve o'clock Pacific time, right? So what do you? what do you, I? I've got the advantage of being on the west coast because I'm, I'm I'm listening to ESPN. I'm going to Major League Baseball. I'm going to the website and I go, oh my gosh, that closer, that closer just got hurt. So they're going to pick that guy. And so at twelve. 1 My wife has many times woken up at 12:01. Go. What are you still doing awake? Uh, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the roster so I can so I can pick so it up so I can beat the guys on the East Coast because it's three in the morning and they're not up. Oh, and then all funny. of a sudden I get I get to I get to beat them on the injury that's, wire. That's true. I, get I agree
0: with. I, well, I don't play in daily leagues. So a lot of these what you said didn't affect. doesn't affect. But I will agree with you in the overall about games played and at bats because when I hear stuff about. You know, if, you know, like, like Mike Stanton, Junior uh, uh, Carlos Stanton. They'll say, look, if you prorate these numbers, I go, there is no such thing as pro-rating. If a guy has a place, if he plays in 120 games last year, he's going to play in 120 games this year. I go, I don't believe in pro-rating. I don't believe in, you know, for every one time I'll be wrong, I'll be right five others. Uh, I would never, I, Carlos Gonzalez is a guy I never drafted. I, I'm and for, the, for the times I've been wrong, I've been right much more. I don't, if guys get hurt, they will get hurt again more often than not. I want guys who are going to be there every single day.
1: Yeah, I have one one league where, like, again, because it's it's just a bragging rights league, right? You know, all smart guys are bragging. Right, right, sure. So whatever. So so we can can drop and pick up at any time, anywhere, any place, right? So there's no penalty, whatever. So we have 21 players. I always have two positions that I am never, if not three or four, that I am never married to. To me, they're like, they're they're disposable. So what happens is is I I go, "Uh uh-oh, I've got my catcher, so i got Buster Posey. But Buster's on the bench today. I look, and I and you can pick him up right, as long as it's before game time. I go, who's playing and who's a catcher? Okay, i got to drop whoever, whoever was my backup shortstop. What do I care about? I'll pick up another backup shortstop another day. Don't worry. Boom. And I flip, and I flip. So why? So then I get about 160 games out of the catcher position instead of the 130, and I, I do this. And at the end, like one year, I did – I set a record. It was like 310 transactions. Yeah, we can't right?
0: do that. We can't
1: do yeah. that. Oh, no. so, so, but, but the, there are other teams that will do like nine, and they always come in last. They always come in last. And I go, dude, why don't you pick up, like, there's nobody playing first base, especially early in the season when when the Mondays and Thursdays nobody's playing. You have to you have to be able to yeah, get some bats that. that week, right? Yeah, but you're right. Uh, you're right. But, that, no, but like no. you said, that's
0: why you can't do the football and everything. You got it it, it. it does take it out of you. Hey, Todd, I got to run. I know you got you've sure. been you've been so happy with your time and so thankful. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. And uh, I got to come to Arizona. When are you in LA next? Um,
1: I was just there last week. I might I might be coming in the next couple of weeks. i'll I'll please I'll give me a know. holler.
0: let's get, let's uh, get together, please.
1: I'll do it, and then, uh, like I said, I'm heading up to a Comic Convention. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell you. Yeah, when, when you is that? There.
0: When is that in Seattle? What, when, when ca- it? It's called the
1: Emerald uh, Comic Con, so it's a, uh, it's a big. They actually get a pretty big turnout there because they've got all the tech guys up there. We're all geeks, so it, it, it's a, it, it's going to be a pretty big turnout. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I, but the guy who puts it on has, has these all over the country. Oh, great! So yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, definitely.
0: I'll, I appreciate that.
1: I'll, yeah, sure.
0: Okay. Anyway, my guest today has been the great Todd McFarlane. I can and especially baseball season coming up. We will never be tired of talking. Who's your sleeper this year? Who give me a sleeper pitcher, sleeper offensive player that you want?
1: Um, my sleeper And Trey I... Turner is not a sleeper. No, no. <laughs> I like that kid cuz he played just like I did. So I like the little skinny kids. Uh I I'm I'm going to say <laughs> Uh, there's a he might not play this year, but there's a kid named Cody uh, Bellinger for the Dodgers. You've yep. been hearing about him, yep. right? He, yep. he played here. I, I coached against him. And this kid was the real deal when he was young. He's the real deal. I talked to the scouts here. They're, every, they're going, this guy is the real deal. And if you look at his minor stats, this kid didn't have to grow into right. being a stud. He just hit the ground running right. yeah. as a stud. So, so for any of you guys who are looking for somebody coming up, especially with Gonzalez going away, I'd grab this kid hard and fast because I think he, he's going to be the real deal. And then, you know, I'll, I'll say another guy that is a local, so I'm going to be biased there. C.J. Krohn uh, went to the same high school my son. Good for you. Uh, plays at. I had him last and, year. But Yeah, but I, 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 keep, I keep going. He, he, give him 500 bats. Is this the year? So I'm hoping this is the year for him.
0: I'm going to give you one that plays on your team, your home team. Yep. Uh, Brandon Drury. If they if they give this kid at bats and he can he yeah. qualifies in a couple of positions, this kid can be an impactful player on somebody's team, and he's going to cost nothing. He's,
1: right. No, those are the guys, Those are the guys that would Those are the guys you get exactly. in the seventeenth exactly. round. Yeah. round. Exactly. You go, wow, he got me twenty. He got me. You know, it's like Brad Miller last year. Gets me thirty home exactly. runs exactly. Right? You go, You go, what are you talking about? you normally know have 30 home runs on the 19th pick. Cool. And, he's gonna,
0: and right. jury's going to qualify at second, third, and the outfield. That's valuable. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Okay, brother. Uh, a great pleasure. Thank you again. I, I cannot thank you enough. All right. Thanks for your time today, Robert. You'd be good. You too. My guest has been Todd McFarlane. I appreciate everybody listening in. I've had a blast today. Uh, Anthony, thank you again as always. want to thank Heddle. Thank you for being here. Uh, hope you've had a great time. This is Ipso Facto. I'm Robert Wall.